0: Thank you so much for coming back to listen to another episode of You Don't Suck. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't be shy. Leave a review. I love seeing the feedback on there. Also, subscribe while you're there. Subscribe if you're listening on Spotify. And lastly, follow us at do not Underscore Suck just for some positive things going on and for some notifications on when the new episodes come out as well. I don't have a little intro mantra this week, but I do want to give a suggestion. You go to Spotify and type in A Beautiful meditation. Lizzie Jeff has one on there that's a couple minutes long and it's so beautiful to really get your day started. It's just honestly a song of affirmations and yeah, I love starting my day with it. So I wanted to suggest that to you guys. This week's episode, I'll be talking about the very, very beginning of my anxiety journey all the way through up until now. And again, just what I'm doing to keep everything afloat. So thank you for listening so much again and I hope you enjoy. Hello. I don't know why I just saying that like a kindergarten teacher <laughs> but I'll probably end up keeping it because whatever I like it but um what I like even more is having these conversations about mental health and trying to destigmatize it and hopefully succeeding and hopefully just helping someone out and helping someone else feel understood and not so alone um I think I try to be very careful with what I say all at all times, you know, not just here, but at all times and just try to make sure that I am always aware that my words hold value. Whether I'm joking, whether I'm having a serious conversation, you know, try to always put other people's emotions and feelings ahead of what I'm saying and just always be very aware of the weight of the words that I say could hold. And I think the most beautiful thing is that sometimes I'll be talking and saying, you know, these conversations could potentially save a life. And I think that it's so incredibly, incredibly beautiful that that's true here. You know, those words weigh exactly what they should, you know, everything that we're saying could potentially or we're talking about. I guess I'm talking about, I'm really only talking to myself here, but (laughs) at the end of the day, if you listen and, you know, have a conversation with somebody else, that's the main reason that I want to do this and to spread awareness and to be able to have those conversations and they should be totally normal and you should feel comfortable talking about it just as you would anything else in life and just to make that a normal thing I know sometimes it's not that normal it doesn't feel that normal or comfortable but the goal here is just to destigmatize it and Again, I just think that it's so beautiful that having these conversations could potentially save someone's life. Making them feel understood could save them or even stop them from doing something that they had planned to do. And I think that's the biggest like underline bold italic word in talking about having these conversations is just understanding. You know, when you're feeling these feelings of emotion. And that are so high when you deal with these mental illness sometimes you're feeling things that just feel so crazy to you and it's imagine if they feel crazy to you you can only think inside your mind if I express this or I have a conversation about this this is going to seem even crazier to someone else because they don't know the full detail you know that you do inside your head and when you're talking about it with yourself or when you're feeling these things, like it's just so easy to feel so alone when dealing with these things because they're not normal and they're not in your everyday magazines talking about this, you know. And luckily there's people that are having conversations like this and pushing the conversation and making it a conversation that you can have at the dinner table and making it feel normal. So shout out to those people. And shout out to you if you're listening to this in order to make something or excuse me, somebody that you love feel comfortable, you know, this could be either be you're listening to it for yourself or listening to it just to gain some insight on how people deal with anxiety and mental health and just stuff like that. So if you are listening to this for someone you love, then I'm giving you the biggest possible hug I could ever give anybody right now that's so noble so beautiful, so kind, so sweet, like, you just, at the end of the day, I thank you, and I know that whoever you're dealing with will thank you even more, and again, the words ring true, you could potentially save their life, you know, you just never, ever, ever know, that one conversation you have on the bus, I don't know that we drive, ride buses that much anymore, (laughs) but just in line at the grocery store, let me think of something more modern. (laughs) When you meet somebody randomly out and I know it's hard to pass homeless people and stop because it could lead to a bunch of other things, just give them a smile, just be kind to them, be kind to the people that you see that are clearly less fortunate than you because I promise you, They don't have the support system that they need in life, and I just always think about that, you know, the mental health of them, that they're alone most of the time, and they don't have people to talk to, so just that tiny bit of kindness, you never know, could go to the same extent of having a conversation with a loved one who really needs it, so I say all that to say... I wanted, well, actually I had a couple people ask me, what is your anxiety journey and how exactly do you deal with it? How exactly did you deal with it? What are you doing today? All these questions about anxiety. So I really wanted to just have a full episode dedicated only to anxiety and kind of go through how I've dealt with it and where exactly it all started for me. Um, I want to do another one on depression because I recently overcame depression again and for me it comes in waves. I don't really deal with it for long periods of time, but the way that I dealt with it this time was so significantly different and it was very beautiful for myself and encouraging for myself to see that all the work that I had done within myself and all the research that I had done on how on like ways to help myself overcome mental illness it had really paid off and it was just like the i beat depression in record time this time you know so i definitely want to share that but this episode will be about anxiety before i get off track for 30 minutes so so when i was younger i had a school counselor guidance counselor um i think that's what they're called but They're not school therapists. They don't really... Those are really only in TV shows. But they have like guidance counselors that help you, whatever, guide you, clearly, obviously. And I remember that when I was younger, I had one pull me out of class and ask me, you know, we notice that you're acting out. We notice that you're acting differently and your grades are falling and you never do your homework. And um, yeah, I just had... It was kind of scary at that moment because I... Was dealing with so much at home, but I never brought it to school. I never talked to anybody about it. Not adult, not, you know, kids my age. And we were cognitive enough at that age to know exactly what was going on. And I remember being at home and my parents being in arguments and walking out of the bathroom from a bath and, like, seeing cops in my hallways. And, you know, it really wasn't a surprise if there was policemen in our driveway just one parent calling the cops on the other, just like things like that. And that stuff I will genuinely never forget, but it was all stuff that I kept at home. You know, I never, I didn't start telling people that I went through that until probably a couple years ago. And because I always had the feeling, and this is very dismissive and it was just how I dealt with it, I don't agree on how I dealt with it now that I'm older and I have more knowledge, but... Um, at the time, I my mindset was just like, I've people have it worse. People have it worse, and don't be a crybaby. Um, people are out there with way worse situations, and it's true. They were, but at the same time, it's very harmful to yourself and your healing and your growth to completely dismiss what you went through. And I, my whole life, have had like a really bad time with that, a really hard time with just I'm not saying that to say that I'm like some angel that doesn't worry about myself. It's just I've always just in my mind thought, well, it would be very ungrateful if I was sitting here complaining about what I'm going through because other people have it worse. And it's not wrong and it's not a terrible mindset. But at the same time, it's very dismissive to yourself and it's just not healthy. But I didn't start telling people that. And for a long time, no, no one knew. So I guess I was acting out in school, and that was kind of how I was expressing it. And um, from then on, I kind of realized that, you know, I was always super anxious. I never wanted anybody to be mad at me. I was always a yes girl. Like, you really could get me to do anything. My friends would even tell me, you know, like... I only asked you because I knew you would say yes and that's just how it was like I genuinely couldn't say no to anybody and then I started to realize as I got older that those were all triggers or I guess kind of responses that I had gained from being in trouble all the time if I didn't do what I was supposed to kind of thing just like childhood kind of trauma things that just made me a very anxious person and Again, I was always worried I was gonna get in trouble or somebody was gonna be mad at me, so I was doing the best by people and just very anxious <laughs> and if anybody was ever upset about me about me or excuse me, around me, it made me super anxious. And so I kinda have friends started to notice that and as I got more into like my high school kind of beginning of college years, I had some people point out to me, you know, Nicole, you're so nervous, you're so anxious, like that really makes you nervous blah blah and I do think that being nervous and having anxiety are a little bit different I feel like the extremities of them I think that's a word (laughs) let's hope that's a word but the (laughs) how extreme that they get is so different like you can have butterflies and you can have stage fright a hundred percent and that is valid but I think anxiety is something that you can deal with every single day and it heightens and it's always there but when you get nervous it heightens and it's a whole different story anyway so I kind of had people tell me I had it whatever I never said that I had anxiety because I never wanted to devalue the people or the word or people who are actually struggling struggling with it again At that moment, I knew people had it worse than just being nervous if a friend was mad at me. So I never wanted to claim that I had it because I just didn't want to devalue or, you know, exaggerate what I was feeling at the time. But as time went on, I first started to notice that I actually had anxiety or it really started to become more prevalent in my life. When I picked up two jobs and was going to school and I started having all these feelings of and it was really only when I was working when I was in high stress I worked two jobs they were both fast fast paced jobs and I started noticing that I would go to those jobs or I would be at those jobs and I was having like heart palpitations hot flashes my hands and my feet would go numb I felt like I was gonna hit the floor I felt like I was unbalanced um what other symptoms did I have I just felt So not okay, I felt so not right. And then sometimes I would tell myself like, oh, you're just exaggerating. And then I would also tell myself, well, your body, you know yourself. And if you're feeling different, then you're going to notice it, you know, it was just always like a back and forth, like, power struggle between one side of my brain and the other. It was just or my head and my heart or something. I was always just trying to convince myself that I was completely fine. But then the symptoms that I was feeling were really trying to prove me otherwise. Which at the end of the day I'm thankful for because it led me to really dig into what happened in my life and why I have these triggers and why I react these way this way and just deal with a lot of stuff that I realized that I hadn't been dealing with. Another thing that really that I just thought of that really triggered my anxiety was losing many friends I went I think it was five years in a row where I lost a friend every year and that is and I don't use this word lightly traumatizing it is um has a lot of effects on you mentally And you start having all these other kind of worries, which I'll get into soon. But I started feeling all those feelings. And then I think the thing that really solidified that something was wrong is I started having heart palpitations. And I would always go to the doctor and have a very low heart rate. And they would ask me if I was an athlete or if I was super healthy and... I literally am not an athlete. I don't even go to the gym. I I, I love working out, but I just don't at the same time. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure people can relate to that. But I was having this high heart rate and it was really freaking me out because that was just so unnormal for me. And then that's kind of when it caught the attention of my parents as well, that it just wasn't normal. And my hands and feet going numb while I'm driving is very unsafe. <laughs> and having all these feelings like i'm going to pass out every time i was at work was very um it was not the most convenient thing to be at work where you needed to be focused and doing your job and then in the meantime feeling absolutely miserable so when the the, the heart palpitations really got serious i went and i saw a cardiologist because i was just you know scared that something was going ha- was happening to me also, I had been heavily drinking for many years before this, so I was really concerned that something, you know, was going to happen with my heart, because that's clearly not good for your heart, and to be drinking that long was also a very big concern on my health, that I was like, oh my god, I'm 22 in, or 21, 22, yeah, 22 and reaping the repercussions of drinking already, like, I was so worried. <laughs> But it ended up that I wore a heart monitor for a week and they ended up telling me it was, it was concluded that my heart palpitations were simply because of the rays of nervousness and the rays of like anxiety and adrenaline and just that's what it was from, which is crazy to me. I, I would have almost preferred it been something physical because it was just so, much a mystery and it was I could be fine one minute and then the next minute have heart palpitations and genuinely feel like I needed to go to the hospital and so a couple weeks later uh, that moment hit for me and it was so uncontrollable and unbearable that I did go to the hospital and I was trying to go to sleep and I just couldn't and I felt so uncomfortable and I felt like my heart was gonna genuinely just burst, like go so fast that it was just going to burst. And so I asked my mom to take me to the hospital. And when I got there, my heart rate was, I want to say it like a 102. And I was doing nothing. I was just calm, you know, chill. Obviously, I was in a little bit of panic, but it wasn't like I was running. It wasn't like I was exerting enough energy to have a heart rate that high. It was just I was in so much panic that that's what it was at. And I stayed there for the night and did so many tests. Nothing was wrong. And then after that, I was very discouraged because I still didn't know why I was feeling like that. And a couple of weeks went by and I was continuing to feel like that. And then my mom finally pointed out to me that, you know, you might have some serious anxiety. And she knows, she knows me and, you know, your moms know you <laughs> like better than you do. It can be so annoying sometimes, but... They know you, you're their babies and they completely just know all the answers somehow and it's very frustrating (laughs) but she started to tell me you're exhausting a lot of yourself for other people and into your two jobs and into your school and you're putting a lot on your plate and you're just getting tired of carrying it. And at the time I was very reluctant to believe that because again I always thought There are moms out there with three jobs and kids and all this stuff doing way crazier workloads than I am or going through way crazier things thinking that they're fine when low-key they're probably not fine now that I think about it. (laughs) Like those poor like you know, just so many people like that in our society. It's just so sad to think about what they might actually be going through mentally at the end of the day. But in my mind it was just like another thing. You know, it was just this is how people are and this is how people work and I shouldn't be stressed out about it. But I finally gave in and said, you know what? You could be right. I went to a psychiatrist. First, I went to a therapist a couple times and she wasn't the fit for me. So I stopped going, which is totally okay. I wanna say that if you're going through therapy and you're having a hard time connecting with your therapist, move on. Don't waste more money. Don't waste more time on trying to figure out, you know, well, or don't be lazy. That was something that was so hard for me. I was just like, whatever, I won't take the time to go find a different therapist because it takes time and it takes action and whatever, you know, just being that lazy 20-year-old. So um, I did it for a long time and I just kept going. And then I, once I finally found the therapist for me, I realized how much that I thoroughly enjoyed therapy and how much it actually could help. It's not going to help if you're sitting there talking to somebody who you don't feel comfortable with or you don't feel like is connecting to you. And I've even had a therapist that wanted to do everything so by the book and really wouldn't let me talk about my problems. And if I did, it was just... He would answer in like the scientific reason as to why I'm feeling like that. And that's not what you need. You know, I can go to WebMD and scare myself like that. You know, <laughs> like, it's not it's not what you need. You need somebody who completely understands you and who is willing to understand you even more so. And that's just so important to find a therapist. And at the time, I didn't find that. And I went to a psychiatrist and they told me that I had panic disorder which is exactly what it sounds like. You're pretty much just in panic 24 seven and, you know, thinking all these things and you're being scared and you're worried and your body is essentially releasing adrenaline because it feels like it's in a dangerous situation and you're in a constant state of fight or flight and your body is preparing itself for that. But when you're sitting still, that can feel very scary. You know, like you're having an adrenaline rush and your blood is rushing to your head and parts of your body to get ready to run. And meanwhile, you're sitting there at dinner with your family, like trying not to let anyone know that you're dying inside. like it's very very frustrating and it's just such a crazy feeling but it's exactly what it sounds like you're just in a panic most of the time and so I remember walking in and the psychiatrist the first thing he asked me was um are you doing any drugs or are you on like drinking at the moment and I remember telling him like no alcohol freaks me out and doing anything else like completely sends my body into pure panic I couldn't even have like a sip of wine or beer it would just send me into the biggest like panic attack and was crazy as I was going out with my friends and still at the time I didn't want anybody to know and I was sitting there with my friends just drinking pretending that I was you know having a great time which I mean in retrospect, I was. I loved being there with my friends, but just the feelings that I was having was insane. He asked me why my pupils were so big. <laughs> and I said, I don't know, but I have I had a friend who would always ask me, you know, like, are you okay? Like, your pupils are massive right now. And I just never thought about it. And he that's when he told me about, you know, like, your body is sending adrenaline through um, to try to prepare you for danger and that's why your pupils are massive and you know when people get scared their pupils get big and He was just like your pupils are massive and they have been for like the last 10 minutes and I'm just like, oh, I guess that solidifies why I'm here <laughs> but um Yeah, and so I got prescribed medicine and it did work for a little while I won't ever hate on something that could potentially work for someone else um, if it works for you and it's quite literally saving you from feeling the way that you don't want to. So much power to you. So much power to the medicine. I'm happy that you found that. I'm happy that it works for you. And I'll never say that it it's that I hate it, that it didn't work for me, you know. Um, it worked for me for a while. It, did, it genuinely worked for me for a while. And I did feel back to myself. And I felt so good about myself. And I felt so happy and... Um, It did completely change, you know, how I felt in the beginning. Now, after a couple months, I don't know what happened. I remember just starting to feel worse and starting to feel more panic. Like, the more I would take my medicine and feel such big panic. And I was like, well, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to do the opposite. (laughs) But I would genuinely get worse anxiety from taking the medicine. And I don't know why exactly that is, but... I don't know. I should probably look into that because it's very interesting. But so I went to my psychiatrist and I asked for a different medicine and I got a new medicine, got on that. I got on a beta blocker. I was having, I couldn't sleep. That was another thing is that I couldn't sleep and it was so bad to the point where if I slept, I was so anxious that I would wake up with fingernail indentions in my hands and like just in a sweat and I was just so tense and so nervous I was having a lot of shin splints as well I think my whole body was just in a just super super tense I was having a lot of digestive issues as well because you know I was never able to relax and it was really hard for me to digest food properly and everything was hurting my stomach and I if it wasn't that then i was waking up out of my sleep in pure panic thinking that like somebody somebody died or you know just i would wake up ask myself all these questions like is everyone still here um and that kind of relates back to what i said about losing friends is i was waking up expecting and still to this day honestly i wake up just from honestly like i said the traumatization of Waking up to so many different calls and um, just bad news, honestly. Like waking up to calls that my friends have passed away. And even to this day, if I wake up to my friends who are three hours ahead of me, like having a full-blown conversation in the group message, my instant thought is that we've lost another friend and something bad has happened. And even if one of my friends who have you know, dealt with that closely to me has texted me like late at night. Instant thought is that, you know, I've lost another friend. It's just that was what really was making me jump out of my sleep and just having those constant, that constant fear of that, like something bad was happening. And so I could not sleep a lot. Um, so they prescribed me something for nightmares and to help me sleep. And I was, would take melatonin and f- again, for whatever reason, it would make me even more scared. I would have worse nightmares. I would have worse night terrors. I would jump out of my sleep worse. I couldn't sleep. I would sleep even worse. You know, it was just so crazy that everything that was supposed to be helping me was doing the complete opposite, which is very, very, very disencouraging. It was very, you know, it brought me to the point of understanding and I talked about this in a previous episode but about how this journey really made me understand suicide and self-harm because there were so many times where I just felt so miserable and those two things felt like maybe the only option or they felt you know maybe I. Sh- it helped me really understand you know why the people that go through with those things go through with those things and I will always count myself so incredibly fucking lucky. Like, I can't express it enough. Incredibly lucky that I haven't ever let myself get to those points. And I genuinely sometimes wonder how I didn't. But I'm so, so, so lucky that I haven't. And I've been very close to both. And it's just, it gave me a whole new respect for... People that do go through with those things, and if you're one of those people who has attempted or you know self harmed, then I love you, and I'm sorry that you ever felt that way. And I just my heart really goes out to you because it is such a you're you feel like you're stuck in a four by four box, there's just no other option, you can't you can't fix it with medicine you can't fix it with sleep you can't fix it with talking to people you just they just feel so stuck and it's just such a terrible feeling so I really my heart goes out to you and if if you're feeling like that right now please message me please talk to me you know I will help you in any way that I can but saying that um After that, after that being so miserable on my medicine, I finally decided to stop. And um, I got off my medicine. I got off the beta blockers. I quit trying, you know, medical ways to go to sleep. I switched over to chamomile tea and peppermint tea and just doing things, you know, turning off my phone an hour before bed. I can now not go to sleep without some kind of meditation Um, the one thing that I tell everybody that really, really, well, it was really the only thing that helped me sleep back then when it was really bad, and I don't know why, but it's called Gregorian Chants. It's on Spotify, and it's literally just monks chanting. It sounds so, like, disruptive, and why would you want to go to sleep to that? But it's not. It's more like a, a choir of monks humming, is what we'll explain it as, but the only thing that would let me sleep and I wish I was lying but (laughs) that um if you listen to frequencies as well on Spotify you'll find those help a lot a lot a lot and there's different frequencies for different things and they really put me right to sleep like I cannot go to sleep without those and I at least I can't stay asleep you know without those um that was just all these things that I had to do. Essential oils. I would take a bath at night. I would, if I was home, I would make my mom sleep in bed with me until I fell asleep. And then just ha- just feeling like you have someone there was very comforting and maybe even like talk to you until you go to sleep. And I, the weighted blanket thing is a beautiful, beautiful invention that helped me a lot. Um, really that, that was what I did and I did a lot of it and it didn't work right away and it sucked always having to accommodate my, what I was doing. I still sometimes struggle with not sleeping in my own bed. I'll wake up in a panic. Um, I don't really know why that is, but... For a long time, I was just, you know, I have to go home and go to my bed. Because when you're in your safe space, you gives a little less room for anxiety or anxious thoughts or feelings. So that was, that's just a big tip. Those are some things that really, really helped me whenever I was dealing with the sleeping part of anxiety. Because I know, I know insomnia like any other person that has insomnia. (laughs) I know the going to sleep at 5 a.m. I know waking up every hour. I know the shutting your phone off at 1 and not going to sleep until 4. Like, I've been there and I feel your pain. And it is so then they're just not the best thing it's just not fun and the thoughts that start racing at night a big thing that helped me with that was the guided meditations and just listening to them just listening to distracting your mind and your ear to a story at night time really really will help you but yeah so then fast forward a little bit I started having that anxiety I don't know like I never really pinpointed what exactly that anxiety was from until I really, I think a year later was the mark of my best friend's second year gone, third year gone, third year gone, excuse me. And it started to hit me that I had not ever properly processed it. I never really properly grieved. And any time I would think about her, I would instantly shut the thought off because I didn't want to cry. I didn't want to feel the feelings. I didn't want to essentially open the floodgates. And that was probably the biggest mistake I've ever made. Um, As far as, you know, just dealing with anxiety and the situation that I was in when she passed was very difficult as well. I was around a lot of people who we all needed to depend on each other and, I felt as if I needed to be strong for them to depend on me. And I really, like I said, that I am very used to doing kind of didn't honor how I was feeling exactly. And it was, it ended up again, being very harmful. So I sat down and I realized I haven't ever dealt with these emotions and they're all pent up inside of me. And so on that third year anniversary, I took myself somewhere private and I cried as hard as I could for as long as I could. I made myself flood every memory I ever had. I made myself just think about every single thing about her that I miss, that I love. And even if it was going to make me cry because I at the moment was in a a safe space to do all that and to release all that. And after that, I'm not even joking, so much of my anxiety subsided so much of it subsided and I felt so relieved and so much lighter and so much better and it was just so clear to me that the emotions that I hadn't talked about and hadn't sorted through and combed through were really beating me up from like the inside out and that's why this conversation is so important is just to talk about things and I can't tell you how many times I hear people say I'm feeling like this but like fuck it I'll be fine and it's like no <laughs> you won't be you need to sit here and talk to me talk to somebody talk to anybody because you need to release how you're feeling or else I promise you you will not like the price that you will pay later in the long run and I think it was a combination of not processing her correctly and then also losing another friend that year and it was so nice to be able to realize how I needed to process her and how I needed to not completely shut out the fact that you know she was gone as well and just to really I think it was just everything fell in time so beautifully as it always does releasing that and preparing myself to go through that again but in the correct way this time and you know going somewhere and crying about it and grieving her properly was so helpful and it was so much healthier than than what I was doing. So that along with sorting through so much of my childhood things that had happened with both of my parents and sitting down and having an adult conversation, talking to them about why exactly they did what they did. And it wasn't anything like, it was a lot more emotional trauma It wasn't physical ever. It was just a lot more of emotional things that happened in the way that we were spoken to at such a young age. And there was a lot of, there are many reasons to back up why exactly my parents were the way that they were and a way to give them a lot of grace because I now am an adult and understand and we've had these conversations and I understand their past. And it's just so great and beautiful to have conversations with people who you feel That are holding you back emotionally and you feel that their unresolved turmoil between you and them because those conversations will heal you so much more than you can imagine. Just finally getting to the root of things and hey, why did you treat me like this or why did you talk to me like this or why did you do this to me and understanding why exactly and I will say you won't always find the answer that you want. You won't always find a, a logical answer and sometimes that's a little harder than having logical answer you know but at the same time it's just going to be so freeing to you and it's so important to remember that we really do harbor so much of what we keep in and and not in a good way it's just it can affect you so much we keep our emotions in and there's so much more physical than you can imagine i mean i was feeling them through numbness, through tingling, my nerves were being shot. At one point, one side of my face was drooping down because the nerves were just so shot in them. And I was having um, constant, like, nerve, I don't even know what they were. It's just my legs were constantly shaking, because the nerves were just going 24-7, just shot, just just being so tense all the time you know never being able to relax always on edge it just really put a strain on my body physically and in the end i found out you know why exactly my body was doing those things but it's such a topic that does not get talked about enough the physical symptoms of anxiety and just how the your body handles the stress and what it needs in time of the stress you know you have to be sure that you're you're when you're feeling so stressed like this, you begin to lose a lot of minerals, I guess I could say you begin to lo- like become deficient in a lot of things, and it's so important as well, to, which is what I'm gonna get into that now. Good <laughs> because a lot of people ask me, you know what I do every day to just make sure that I can keep the anxiety at bay, and being healthy and health is like such a big. Part of it. And it is insane how much fried food, sugar, caffeine, nicotine, you know, all that kind of stuff can truly, truly affect your anxiety. If you're going through really bad anxiety right now, stop drinking coffee, stop smoking cigarettes, stop smoking weed if it's having those effects on you, stop doing the drugs that are freaking you out. Just genuinely eat healthy stop eating the free like the greasy food sugar Is your worst enemy when you're having anxiety? I used to eat like I don't even know what I would have sometimes I would genuinely have dark chocolate Which doesn't have that much sugar in it and it would instantly send my body into a freak out or if I had like a flavored coffee Which is just a double no, just don't do that (laughs) like so much sugar so much caffeine I was having Anxiety attacks when drinking caffeine as well, and I had to stop. Finally, my mom, who thank literally thank God, is a health guru, a health fanatic, and I cannot wait to do the episode with her where we talk about all the healthy things that you can do because she has so much more knowledge than I do on this. But just some of the things that I incorporate into my daily in- vitamin intake take that one a day vitamin take it please take it it has the magnesium and the zinc you need that's going to be good for stress and anxiety and even depression it has a lot more for you like if you don't do anything take that one a day (laughs) take that one a day get the vitamins you need and it's so important to take vitamins because our the food that we eat especially if you're not eating healthy you're not going to have the vitamins you need to balance out those nerves and that nervous system and your nervous system is so important when dealing with anxiety and just it can be affected so easily so please 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 take care of it um, a lot of the things I do is I incorporate Ashkawanda, GABA, I don't even know how to say this one L-theanine yeah I think that's right and um, there's you can find Ashkawanda powder online you can find those capsules in stores B12 is another one as well that really helps with your nervous system. Um, I like to do the little ones that (laughs) you melt in your mouth. (laughs) I'm such a kid. My mom is like, take these vitamins. And I'm always like, if you can find the gummy version for me, I'll take it, which (laughs) is so childish. But whatever, I'll never grow up. But this one, um, the one, I used to take the powders of the Ashkawanda in the capsules, but I recently found some gummies that I love. Um, They're called Be Happy, Be You. It's a dietary supplement. Um, It says calm and stress relief, organic hemp, L-theanine, GABA, Ashkawanda, supports a positive and relaxed mood. That is... Genuinely, I'm not joking. I feel a difference every single day. I feel much more at ease, much more calm. And those all those ingredients I just listed are so, so good for you. Um, I've heard people... CBD oil is really good for some people. I personally don't like it. It relaxes me a little too much, which sounds crazy, but just makes me very lethargic. Um, magnesium is something that is super important to incorporate in your diet, your intake, I don't know why I just lost my (laughs) train of thought so hard, but that one's super important as well, Um, zinc is important, I think I said that one as well, Um, turmeric, turmeric I know has an active ingredient called curcumin, I think it's called, I don't really ever remember, there's so many names, but it does help with anxiety, and turmeric um, as it is alone helps with reducing inflammation, which helps again with your nervous system. Um, so yeah, just things that really boost your, um, your dopamine as well are all things that I like to, um, take. Also you can find magnesium and like so much of your salads and your leafy greens, like your spinach, just stuff like that, that is just super important to make sure that you're, Nourishing your body with these things because I promise you when I go weeks without taking these vitamins or weeks with um, disregarding how I'm truly feeling... um, Or just disregarding my health, not even how I'm truly feeling, but I mean that too, but (laughs) disregarding my health, like I notice a difference. So it's just so important. Drink your water, please. I know everyone says that always, but it's so important. And I definitely notice when your body is dehydrated, it starts to become panicked. And also whenever you don't eat enough, um, whenever you need to start your day out, whether you don't eat breakfast or not, just have a meal that's incorporated I mean, truly you should eat breakfast, but I know not everybody eats breakfast, so if you don't, just make sure that whatever meal you are having are super rich in everything, you know, all the vitamins that you need. It's not some greasy fried food, it's not, you know, gluten and dairy filled, and it's just something that's going to be good for you because... I promise you, having that healthy diet will help with your anxiety and depression so much. It will naturally release the dopamine and relax your nervous system without taking medicine. And yeah, so that is like the health things that I do. am trying to think if I left any out. I don't believe so. I do drink chamomile tea, which is beautiful for anxiety. And peppermint tea as well. It helps a lot with um, anxiety as well. So I think now I'll jump into what I do mentally. A big part that I really didn't talk about earlier with losing, you know, friends. Um, Two of them were from car wrecks and the other ones were pretty tragic as well. But a lot of my anxiety comes from, am I next? will it be me if it's me what will happen to my friends and family how will they go through this how will they navigate it is honestly something that traumatized me for so long to the point that i got scared of everything i got scared of doing anything i got scared of driving Um, I'll get into that in a second. Um, I got scared of going places, you know, I got scared of not speaking to my friends and family every day. I got so nervous into what I was, even as far as like what I was saying to people, if I didn't give a proper goodbye, I would have like a serious anxiety attack. And if I said, if I talked to too many people that I loved in one day, I would take it as a sign as like oh my God, I'm going to die or they're going to die. Or if I had like a really beautiful conversation with somebody, I would instantly think like, oh my God, I'm about to lose them. That was just such a last beautiful like conversation. Just things like that. It really started to bleed into every single aspect of my life. And if my mom didn't reply, like I made her like, I only talked to her on WhatsApp so I can see the last time she was active. And if she reads my messages, because if I don't, you know, I think there was one time where I started getting very panicked because she didn't talk to me. And I called her at like 5 a.m. sobbing. Like she wasn't responding to my messages and she wasn't calling me back. And so I called her, I think like 15 times. And she was just getting ready for work. And she was just on the way to work. And then even made her talk to me all the way on the way to work because I was scared she wasn't going to make it. So it was just something that really when I say traumatized, like I don't say it lightly and I don't mean to laugh. It's just a natural thing for me. I really laugh in the worst situation, <laughs> but it really was something that was so, just very traumatizing to me. And, um, I got so bad driving that I was, I would no matter where I was going, if I was going five minutes down the road, an hour down the road, Whatever it was, I was having a severe anxiety attack and I it was just so uncomfortable and I was having a lot of intrusive thoughts to the point where I would be driving and then telling myself to wreck the car and kill myself and, you know, imagining what would happen if my car flew off a bridge and just all these things and bridges literally, I'm not joking, terrified me, terrified me. I had to like roll the windows down and chew some gum and drink some water and like genuinely prepare myself to go over these bridges and in Las Vegas there are a couple big bridges that I don't go on but there's one that's pretty unavoidable because it takes you from the strip to my house and um And it was just one that always freaked me out. And I one day was up very early or very late. I didn't get any sleep. I hadn't drank water. I hadn't eaten in, I think it was like 10 hours. You know, I was in pretty bad shape to compare to how I normally upkeep myself. But um, I had a full bone panic attack. And I, the only thing that I, I was on the bridge, going over the bridge and I don't even want to say this was genuinely like a panic attack like I thought that I was gonna wreck so bad so that I started driving with my knees and um kept my hands closed because I was just so nervous that I was actually gonna hurt myself and I was six minutes away from my house and I went pulled into a gas station and turned the car off because I could not drive the rest the rest of the way home and that just really shows you that a taking care of yourself and giving your body what it needs and then not doing that is really really important and that shows you the difference you know like I that was probably one of the worst panic attacks I've had driving and it was because I just wasn't taking care of myself previously and also just how bad it was you know <laughs> like compared to now now I'll tell you what I do mentally to get over those things um I started going over that bridge and thinking happy thoughts, and I would tell myself, "I'm beautiful." Like I did not tell myself I was beautiful. That's a lie. Life is beautiful. <laughs> Life is beautiful. You're okay. Nothing's gonna happen. You've been over this bridge before, and you're gonna do it again. And the, those are just things that I repeatedly have to tell myself and over any bridge. You know, I would I would make myself look down over the bridges and say nothing's gonna happen, you're okay, you're safe, and you're gonna do this again. And just telling myself that like, you're really, um, the connection between your brain and your heart and what you're feeling is another thing that's so incredibly important. And with anxiety, you're gonna have to do a lot of training yourself, a lot, a lot of training yourself. And that was part of my training is to tell myself, You're going to be okay. And just once you put those positive things along with that negative connotation, things start to change and things start to shift. And now I go over the bridges with no problem because I've changed the circumstances. I've told myself it's going to be okay and it has been okay. And I've proven myself over and over again that I'm able to do it and that life is beautiful and I'm here for a reason and it's going to be okay. And it's just that's the biggest Thing that are the biggest piece of advice I can give you when dealing with anxiety is to change your circumstances. It is not easy, it is not comfortable, and it is so tedious. You're gonna have to do it many times. You don't just Harry Potter and just say, you know, I'm okay and you're okay, you know, like it just doesn't work like that. But so many different situations that I've had to, even as far as having alcohol. I had just went so long with so many panic attacks when drinking alcohol that I eventually had to be like you're you're going to drink alcohol tonight and you're going to be okay and you're going to have fun and you're not going to have a panic attack and you're going to drink water and you're going to stay hydrated while having fun you know it's just like such a almost like beating yourself into knowing that things are going to be okay and to really just grasp reality because the things that you, t- you have told yourself previously, I'm going to die, or I'm not going to be okay, or I'm going to pass out, or I'm going to have a panic attack, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. I, for so long, couldn't even say those two words, anxiety or panic attack and I couldn't say the word suicide either because I would get myself so worked up thinking that I was gonna either have one or I was accidentally like somehow gonna kill myself and it was just you have to just really create a kind and loving relationship between the things that give you anxiety and your brain and your heart and that is just the way of thinking is gonna change that all for you I promise and like I said it's not easy but just be sure whatever is giving you anxiety just to create a beautiful relationship between that and between yourself and your mind and also tell stop believing the lies that you're telling yourself. 90% of anxiety is just lies that you have made yourself believe that are true. So imagine what you can do if you reverse, if you reverse those thoughts, and you make yourself believe that these positive and loving and kind things are true, you know, it's, it works, it's a two-way street, as quickly as you can make yourself believe that you're not okay, then you can make yourself believe that everything's going to be okay, and like I said, it sounds so much easier it is so much easier said than done, excuse me, but it is so worth it once you're able to just stop. And that was what I had to do. Every time I would have a negative thought, <laughs> I would start yelling at myself. Nicole? Nicole Elizabeth? Nicole Elizabeth Tyson? <laughs> like I would start to yell at myself when I was having a bad thought and I would instantly reverse it. Like if I didn't feel confident and I was embarrassed or, you know, I have self-confidence issues, whatever, you know. Um, I would instantly, if I started to be hard on myself and compare myself, I would start telling myself, Nicole, stop. You're beautiful. You don't even know what you look like because you look at yourself every day. So you don't even know what other people see. So you need to quit being hard on yourself because you need to be thankful that you have a face that's intact. You have arms that are here. You have legs that are here, you know, and even regardless, if you didn't, you would still be beautiful because you're you and there's only one of you. And that is just so important to continue to tell yourself if you're struggling with that as well. And I'm trying to think of other things that you might be struggling with so I can give you some examples. Um, probably another one that I struggled with was getting angry when people didn't understand me. And then differentiating whether or not I have communicated my feelings with them or not. You know, getting frustrated at my parents if they didn't understand me. And then in turn being like, okay, I can't be mad at them. And this goes for your parents, for anybody else. You can't be mad at them if they don't know how you're feeling. And communication is going to be the best way to make sure that you're not getting upset for no reason. And when I would get anxious to talk to people... I would just tell myself, this communication is going to be beautiful and healthy for not only you, but them as well and your relationship with each other. And that is something that I had to work on so hard is you know walking around and feeling like, well, people know me by now. They should know how this affects me. They should know how I feel about this. And it's ever since I started really, really, really communicating. Listen, I have anxiety, so I worry about this. And this is how this makes me feel when you say this. Or, you know, there are things that have triggered me in the past. I get very triggered when people call me a dumb blonde (laughs) because I've been called it so many times in the past and for so long I honestly believed it and I restricted myself from doing things that I know I could do but just being scared that if I try to do them and I messed up then I would be called a dumb blonde so I had to tell myself and people would be like oh you're stupid or something like that and there are people who are close to me I'm like listen Please don't call me that because I have a problem with that and I will begin to real I will begin to believe it, excuse me, and it will start to trigger me and I'll start to feel bad about myself. And then guess what? They don't call you stupid anymore. So it's just like really 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 getting that communication skill in with other people and really really being so self-aware because if you're self-aware with anxiety, you will notice What triggers you and how exactly to go about it and the best way for you to go about it and the things that you need to tell yourself to believe it you just it's so important to realize how exactly you're feeling and being aware of those feelings and being kind to those feelings even if those feelings aren't kind to you be kind to them (laughs) you know like even if people aren't kind to you be kind to them the same thing goes for yourself if those feelings or those thoughts or emotions are not being kind to you be kind back to them so they know next time they're not going to get a negative reaction out of you and you're not going to have a bad time and you're not going to have anxiety and you're not going to have a panic attack and everything's going to be okay and life is going to be beautiful and it goes on and if you have a bad day please 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 remember that is not going to last forever. And in order to have good days and appreciate them and remember them, you have to have those bad days in order to compare what a good day or differentiate what a good day and a bad day is. They're just necessary in life. They teach you things. They teach you patience. They teach you to be kind to yourself. They're not always that bad, you know? <laughs> like they're, You're going to get something out of them. And healing and anxiety is not linear. And I just wish I could like staple that to my forehead so everybody knew because it's just so easy to get discouraged and to really feel like life has you by the fucking neck sometimes and I understand that. I went three years with thinking that I would never ever ever feel better and that I would always feel like this and even sometimes I find myself frustrated that I have to take you know such good care of myself mentally and physically in order to feel normal but I promise you, you'll get there. And it takes work and it takes some time and dedication. But please, please, please love yourself enough to give yourself that time and dedication. And if you need to distance yourself and set healthy boundaries with people who are not, you know, encouraging you and helping you along your journey, set them. Do what you have to do. Be the way that you would for someone that you love be that way for yourself, and remember like if you're wanting to be a kind person, you can't be a kind person until you're kind to yourself as well. seriously, that is mantra that is bold underline italic right there that's something that I've had to staple to a wall in front of me at all times is I try I hold being kind to such a high value, but I so often forget to be kind to myself so drive. So yeah, just remember that being kind to yourself throughout this journey is key. Um, you're gonna have to go to those places that made you cry and make yourself laugh. Those places that made you nervous. You're gonna have to be around those people that made you nervous and just change a narrative. Change the story. You're gonna have to rewire your brain so that it knows now to no longer associate those negative feelings or those trauma responses or just those scary feelings that will no longer think to trigger your fight or flight whenever you're in those situations because you've adjusted the narrative and you've changed it to be a positive one. And like I said, I've had to do a lot of that. I definitely went to the places that used to make me extremely nervous and it set a lot of positive affirmations to myself in that way I'm able to drive over those bridges and I'm able to drive on the highways and I'm able to over 60 miles an hour without getting really bad anxiety thinking that something bad is going to happen so it's just something that you're going to have to do and I promise you no one telling you you're going to get better or just wishing you're going to get better is going to help you it's going to actually you know heal you and heal your anxiety and like I keep saying it's going to be tedious and it's going to be a lot of work but I promise you. The sense of relief that you're going to feel is incredible and it makes you feel strong. It makes you feel powerful in your own body that you were able to do that for yourself. That you loved yourself enough to do that for yourself. It makes you feel like you're able to conquer those bad thoughts and it makes you realize that you actually are. They're thoughts and sometimes they happen on their own so it can be very scary because it feels out of control. It feels like you are having these thoughts that aren't yours and you're not in control of yourself. But it's just a pattern of these negative thoughts that your mind has gotten used to and is now telling yourself. But like I said in the beginning, just as easy as you're able to make those thoughts and you make your mind a bad place, you're able to reverse it. You have just the amount of control to reverse it and make it a happy place. And I always see the thing It's like um, you're inside of your, your mind all for your whole life. So just make sure that it's a beautiful place to be. So I hope that this helped anyone and you got some clarity on the things that you might be feeling. And you at least feel like somebody's there with you and and you at least feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel. I, I really never thought that there would be, but I finally found it. And I just wanted to really share that hope with anybody else who feels like they may need it. So Again, thank you so much for listening and I can't wait to talk to you guys next time.